0: Okay, welcome to episode one, I suppose, seeing as the first one was kind of sold to you as a pilot, I suppose you pass the pilot and now we're on to episode one. So now what? Good question. And in the spirit of it being accountable, um, essentially what happened was I put out the pilot in a forced maneuver on my brain. Because otherwise I would just procrastinate myself um, and never do it. So I did it. I put it out there. And then the self-doubt hit. Because basically I was like, well, hang on, okay, I have all this stuff to say. But then how do I say it? How do I put them into their own boxes and create episodes and then move on from this? And And this is the quintessential groundwork that is the reason why i did this in the first place and i will explain now they are hang on i'm british so bear with me one second (sighs) some asmr tea drinking right there so the whole point of this is not only for me to be accountable to myself but hopefully to help you be accountable to yourself It's the circle of life, if I wanted to be a cheesy twat about it. So yeah, so let's break that down. So I did something very positive. I congratulated myself on doing something very positive. I actually got extremely good feedback, both from people I know and people I don't know, which is always good, because you know, friends can blow smoke up your ass all they want. But when a stranger pays you a compliment, actually, that should be the other way around. And it is for me, generally. I always take the opinions of someone I actually care about way higher than anybody else. And that's just how you have to be, because it's how you deal with um, rejection and how you deal with uh, people being arseholes, essentially. And being formally enormous in weight... Um, I can tell you it's the only way you can really survive without coming out the other side a broken biscuit. And I'm not a whole biscuit, I'm definitely broken, I'm I'm ruffled around the edges. I'm like a rich tea that's been put through a pencil sharpener, essentially. Where was I going with this? Oh, I know. So, essentially, I put out the episode, felt really good, had some really good feedback and I just kind of sat there and went, well, um, do I have anything to say? Which is absolute rubbish, because I know I have something to say. I have lots to say. I've never, I don't think I've run out of something to say since 1987. When I was sat on a train and um, we were looking out the window and some little kid turned to his mom and was like, Mommy, Mommy, mommy it's a, it's a cow. And I went, actually, it's a Frisian. Because, you know, I'm that kind of dickhead. So <laughs> essentially, the the way I got around it is because when I started this process, I was what this is called, accountable. So I sat down with myself and I kind of spoke and talked through why I'm doing this, what advantages there are to this, what positives there are to this, what the pitfalls are, what's going to hold me back. And then once those uh, pangs of um, negativity came through and self-doubt and, and, you know, the humanistic approach, or sorry, the humanistic side of um, how our brains work, then what I did was we, we hit pause, we went back, we had another discussion, and we reminded ourselves of the conversation that we'd had, pitfalls and all. What are the positives? What, why are we doing this? What is going to happen? And that way, you can rationalise it a lot better. It doesn't mean it, it, you suddenly go, ha-ha, I'm cured. No. But what it does is it it, it makes you realise that although it's your brain, um, it can still be a dumb motherfucker. I think that's the best way of, of describing it. Everyone is their own worst critic. And that is as cliché as as cliches can be but just because it is cliche does not mean it doesn't resonate and it is not true and it 100% resonates with me because if I flip this um camera around or if if I gave you the power of sight through a microphone you would see literally thousands of pounds worth of equipment from audio gear through to cameras to um coding to music production everything in between i am a very blessed human being because i have been able to afford and um have the knowledge to build out essentially my own television studio (laughs) studio and um at a far cheaper cost than most people would be able to do and I took I took a side note, um my friend Jason uh, messaged me and said, Oh, um, the quality of it was really good and I was like, I would I would have taken that as more of a if the quality wasn't good, if the sound didn't sound good, then I would be far more inclined to be like, Fuck you, motherfucker. I'd be very annoyed if if the uh the, the sound quality wasn't on point, bearing in mind that I, <laughs> my I started off in uh doing uh, sound engineering and then through into radio and everything else so it's that's the one thing I will I will not be I will not be uh, thrown off on my quality will be on point but anyway so i suppose this is where well, that being episode 1 i suppose it has to be this is where we kind of build upon um how i hold myself accountable and what i do to kind of remain in the zone and it's still a work in progress. So, but this is not a, this is not a podcast for me to tell you the keys to the castle and, and, and say, well, there you go. It's all yours. Um, very much. So I'm, I'm working through this in real time and hopefully you will be too. And I'm not vain enough to think that my situation is the same as yours. Far from it. I'm the first to admit that no two situations are the same. However, you have to understand that there are similarities that that penetrate across the board. And I have friends um, from different countries or people I speak to from different countries and um, friends and family that I have here. And the one thing, or a couple of things, um, especially it's been exacerbated by the pandemic, is that everyone struggles with anxiety. Everybody. there's n- There's no... There's no one on this planet that does not suffer from anxiety. It's just that everyone deals with that anxiety in a different way. And even though I'm very outgoing and, and will always speak my mind, it does not mean that I don't have a crippling anxiety monster lurking within my brain. I absolutely do. It's just that maybe I'm able to keep it at bay better than, than some so, and that's because of this entire ethos of being accountable, and you're going to get sick and tired of me saying it, and i'm going to say it over and over again because there's no other way and i was I was actually walking my son to school this morning thinking about what I was going to say, and there was an analogy that I kept coming back to when it comes to kind of like self doubt and and not holding yourself accountable that having this this um sickly sweet and sepid um sheen that's been put over the world that everything has to be okay everything has to be perfect there can be no flaws the snapshots that you see into my life have to be curated and and made um as realistic as i possibly can do when realistic is probably the the furthest word from the, from what the actual truth is um and I think it's, it's poisoning the world, slowly but surely, drip by drip, like Chinese water torture, this positive bullshit droplet that keeps hitting you on the forehead every second of every day, of every week, of every year. And if you are not careful, that drip can make time absolutely fly. And before you know it, three, four, five, ten 10 years have gone by and you you haven't moved because you've been sat there w- wondering, oh, what should I do in my life? I could do this, I could do that. I've had a million and one um, careers in my head. I'm very lucky to have had the career that, that I've had. Um, and I have stagnated ever since having uh, my surgery and having my leg amputated. I've stagnated because... I became scared of putting myself out there because it's you see your legs as kind of like the foundation of you moving your ass. And although I have a very good prosthetic and I can move remarkably well for my size and um, mobility range, it still is a hindrance. It's like dragging, dragging a crippled donkey chained to your foot. And that has proved more difficult in the last like five years than I ever cared to mention. And I'm, I think I am at the other side. And I'll tell you why. What has put me, on the other side of that kind of storm cloud. But also how easy it is just to fall back into it. And I have to keep, um, kind of, holding my hand over the fire, pouring that um that ammonia on the hand for fans of Fight Club to get myself the clarity that I need. Sorry, T-sip, ASMR. (sniffs) So, and and again, going back to this whole um, positive bullshit, which I think I might call the actual episode, in actual fact, positive bullshit. Um that nothing good can come from that. We only have to look at um, population or people at large and the people that create that, that fake sheen to see how damaging and how unrealistic that image and that lifestyle is. But the fact that everyone seems to know it and does it anyway, which I think is... The craziest thing about it, but you can equate that to anything and i'm not i'm going to try my hardest not to be political on this because it's not i don't think it's needed there's enough there's enough discourse out there, and i'm sure I will make my my um feelings on that felt in a in a different way on a different format but your your Um, inability to love yourself enough and have confidence in yourself enough is what is being taken advantage of by literally every single facet of your lifestyle that goes outside of your four walls and I and I include things like mobile phones by computers anything that you can use to get outside of those four walls into the world whether it be on an informative basis or whether it be on a um, entertainment basis or on a self self-aggrandizing basis is taken advantage of and manipulated because you essentially are a commodity and that's not a bad thing in all aspects it's like most things most things start off with good intentions it's just that people generally don't have good intentions when it comes to creating and generating wealth and money and because we've become more connected online and because we've we have an instantaneous access to the world sat in our pocket being charged multiple times a day you know, depending on how good your phone is um You are never left alone. You are constantly under barrage. Barrage. (laughs) You're constantly under siege, under attack by people that want you to have self-doubt because self-doubt spends money. Self-doubt generates money for them. And it's not some great conspiracy theory. It's it's well known. There's enough stuff that comes out about... um, how people's um can watch a video one day it seems quite innocent and then down the line they're radicalized into all sorts of things whether it be um racist homophobic anti-trans anti-black anti-democracy you name it you name it there's a flavor for you and they love shooting that flavor in tmf Sounds disgusting, but it kind it's it still handles it still stands up. And apologies, rambling again. The first couple of episodes are gonna be a bit of a a ramble shit show, simply because my mind changes tack at a thousand miles an hour, and I tend to go on tangents. But we'll get there together. So, yes, the analogy that I mentioned about five minutes ago. So imagine you are a Plasterer so you apply plaster to a wall. I don't know if there's an American equivalent if there is You know my what I'm saying anyway, so we'll carry on so you're plastering a wall and the wall is essentially your um, Best um, Standpoint in you being centered being okay not being stressed, not being, uh, not having anxiety, not having self-doubt. The wall is pristine. And you are plastering to maintain that wall. And you notice a crack. So you notice a crack in that wall. Whether it be someone or something making you feel inadequate or making you feel um, self-conscious um, about your looks, your weight, your your voice, anything. And what most people do is they put their trowel in the bucket, they pull out a big load of plaster, and they wallop it on that wall and paste over it. Go go away. And that could be you using filters, or it could be you um, just ignoring it. It could be you just burying it down inside. It could be you... um, doing something to alleviate that anything from kind of spending money up until self harming it could it, there's a multitude of things but the the this point still stands you are simply wiping plaster over that really quickly and then moving on and then another crack appears and another crack appears and another crack appears and you keep applying and applying and applying and applying and eventually you're going to get to such a point where the the entire room is just layer after layer after layer after layer of plaster of you continuously going, no, I can't see any of this. And it's going to become too heavy and the whole lot's going to fall down and you are going to be exposed in the worst possible way. And unfortunately, that is how the majority of both the... Self-help that you see out there is aimed towards. It's aimed towards coping, not living. Because you are treated as if you are a the fragilist of flowers. And even people that have um, problems with anxiety and mental health and so on and so forth... You any idea how fucking strong you actually are? How strong your mind is, just to be able to get yourself in that kind of state in the first place, and that's the thing you need to kind of take away from this. Is that it's, but it has to start somewhere. So when that crack plate appears, what you should be doing is assessing that crack. How big is it? Does it need my attention? Do I need to take the paint off altogether? Do I need to sand around the edges? You need to have that conversation and address what's causing that crack in the first place. Is it something that um, I need to deal with? Is it something that is um, uh, going to affect me down the, 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 the line in the long run? You make that assessment, you square it up with yourself, you look at that crack, and then you apply um the plaster but it's not your usual plaster it's a plaster of of honesty of of accountability there's the word again Call us have a drinking game it's about knowing that you have addressed that issue so you're put that plaster is not covering anything it's just it's repairing the barrier that you have because you definitely need it everyone needs it But you need to be honest with that because it's the only way you're ever going to move forward. And it actually makes it far less likely for cracks to appear later down the line. See, I'm giving you mental health help and DIY help. It's a multifaceted (laughs) approach. Tea break. And it's taken me a long fucking... Longer than I care to to tell you how long it's taken me to kind of get to that standpoint. I would plaster over those cracks like a motherfucker. Because I had a big gob and I, um, I had a big personality and I could hide things really well and I could muscle through things really well because of my strength and X, Y, and Z. So when that fell apart, so essentially, when I had um, I had multitude of problems let's go actually no I'm let's go through that very quickly. I'll give you the, give you the condensed version. So essentially, I, I injured myself many years ago uh, going home from a Christmas party, I fractured my knee and subsequently through problems at work and work being pricks about it I ended up hurting myself um because I'm a diabetic and a stupid diabetic at that so when I was younger I would still drink I would I would <clears throat> smoke I would do everything that you're not supposed to do and uh then um later down the line things started to degrade um gradually I lost feeling and sensation in both of my feet um so when I came back to work after having this fractured knee I ended up wearing a hole that size of a 2 pound coin in the in the around the fifth metatarsal, so just below your your little toe, in both feet. And me being the the guy who had a family and a wife um, and was scared of losing his job, I carried on working. Um, And then both of them got infected. Um, I lost part of my foot... Um due to infection in my left foot, although it didn't require any intervention, it just dissolved, and then so I've I've got like a floating little toe essentially. So fifth metatarsal basically I wain rooted myself <laughs> if you get that um analogy on my left foot. And then my right foot, I didn't realise I was actually it was actually infected, but it was actually breaking at the same time. So they reckon I broke my foot about 40 times, roughly. And um Essentially, the thing that I relied on, which is my strength, went because I couldn't maintain. The foundation was crumbling. My leg was falling apart. I was deformed. I was in and out of hospital for six years almost. And then the most accountable, the decision that made it all, and it's just actually hitting me right now, the actual decision to ask the doctors to amputate my leg was probably the most accountable I've ever been in my entire life. Because I sat there and I realised, well, the course of action that they wanted to take, which essentially was 10 years of plastic... plastic, 10 years of um, surgery, of taking bits away, resetting the foot, hoping that it lasts, and then reassessing it um, upwards of 10 times. Each one of those surgeries taking a year to heal upwards of. And that's if... My diabetes was in check, which it wasn't back then. It is now, but it wasn't back then. Um, So I sat down and discussed it with Nicola, my wife, and said, we can't go on like this. I can't go on like this. I'm still young. I was 30, 34 when I first asked them, but it, it took until I was 36, 37 um, when they actually agreed. But I decided at the moment because I could have like a lot in actual fact, a lot of patients I'd seen that were in the similar sort of circumstances myself were completely did what wanted nothing to do with that decision. In actual fact, it was shocking how many people couldn't even look at their own foot with the problems that they had. And yet I was always looking because how else am I supposed to fucking know when things go really wrong? Same analogy, same as the plastering thing. So essentially, I asked them and begged them to amputate my foot because obviously the NHS aren't used to people asking them to do that. They generally think you're a bit crackers. So I had to go through all the psych profiles and X, Y, and Z, but I kept on it. I'm being accountable. I need this to go. I need to be there for my kids. I need to be there for my wife. I cannot continue to live on a sofa, which is essentially what I was doing. I couldn't walk. They'd done it. I was, I was such a weight, I was 32 stone. So thirty-two stone with limited range, and they'd um, they kept to stop me from walking. They would do my foot in a certain way. So if I put weight on it in any way, shape, or form, it would just crack the the shell of the cast. Because I was also a stubborn fucker as well, so I would continue working. I would, I went to work with like drips hanging out of my arms and all sorts. So I had to be accountable. And that's part of the accountability as well, is is that me bu- being bullish and going, well, I'm still going to be able to do this and um, still went to work, still uh, put, was putting my life at risk. And the doctor said to me, It's like, well, who's going to raise your kids? Because it ain't going to be you. And that was kind of the watershed moment of sorting both, obviously, my leg and my life out. Because my heaviest I've been forty-one stone, but I managed to lose some weight. But I would the weight was creeping back on, and by the point of me having the actual surgery, because I had weight loss surgery first, I was thirty-six stone, and then managed um, to lose almost twenty-one stones, and then put I've put some back on. But I am, but we'll get to that in another episode of of kind of my um, fitness journey but yeah so they agreed eventually but it's the thing that the, the wheels fell off that when my strength wasn't there I had nothing to rely on there was no f- it, it was just fakery my strength was masking the pain the upset the opiate addiction that I had as well because the amount of painkillers they gave me i had so much um codeine and um amitriptyline and um tramadol that um the pharmacy couldn't process my prescriptions they had to go through the hospital because i was on more than their textbooks were telling them or even though they 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 can do they can there is a threshold but there's also a threshold above the threshold but it has to be strictly monitored and i was on so many painkillers that the doctor um, told me that we have to have a balancing act of keeping you conscious and keeping you pain, your pain at bay. And unfortunately, at the moment, we can't find that that place because I was taking so many pills. I was like passing out throughout the day. I was shouting and screaming and being utterly horrible to my family. And I had no recollection of it at all, which obviously fed into me. Asking, demanding, begging for the the amputation. So they amputated the foot, and and had a YouTube. <laughs> I started a YouTube channel called The Pirate in Training, and because I wanted to hold myself accountable there and then, and and that failed because unfortunately the 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 surgery did not go as planned. So they, they did the amputation, but the person that was supposed to do the amputation was called away at the last minute, literally as I was being wheeled into the surgical, to into the theatre. And a locum came along. Now, a locum essentially is a, a jack-of-all-trades kind of surgeon. And this guy was a master of fucking none of them, let's put it that way. So basically... Bones were not cut as they were supposed to. Bones were not beveled as they were supposed to. So essentially, I have uneven bones. Um, My tibia is uh, cut to a point, so it stabs into the front of my shin. Um, And essentially, um, I get pain for every single step I take. And my steps today, so I have uh, 3,123 steps at 9.24 on Wednesday morning and every single one of them hurt it's just that it's become part of me the pain of it has just become part of me and um it's worth it because i'm able to walk but that does not mean that it does not fucking suck and that i wish that things were different and i've been fighting it's a fight that i've been trying to get sorted for many years the pandemic hasn't helped but anyway this is all building to how accountable you have to kind of be because I thought I was but because I didn't have um, that foot to lean on for want of a better description um, my strength diminished and when my strength diminished so did my ability to cope because I couldn't cope and I was utterly depressed because it didn't go the way I was hoping I, I wanted this amputation I had the amputation and the amputation did not work my leg was too swollen prosthetics didn't fit properly um too much excess skin bones sticking out and and sticking into me i've got um neuromas which is basically where the nerve endings weren't sorted properly so they developed into basically pain i get phantom leg pain how long have you got and i was trying to be positive positive through this YouTube channel, um, Pirate in Training. Although I was being very honest, but I was also trying to be very positive. It was like, oh yeah, this is... I asked for this, and this could be really good. And in the background, it, I think it would be further from the truth. It was a nightmare for me. It was a nightmare for my wife. Because she had to a uh, cope with me being a grumpy bastard and also caring for me as the loving, incredible human being that she is. Uh, and then... Again, I had to kind of sit down and have a talk with myself and go through, well, uh, and remind myself that if I hadn't have had the surgery, I wouldn't most most probably be dead. I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive. I would have kept getting reinfected. I had septicemia twice through all the shit that was going on. So I was, I was sick as sick could be. Even on our wedding day, I had an infection. So it was, it was like. It's it's weird because I have such an incredible relationship with my wife. But it's marred in parts but by shit that's gone on and it angers me because i'm the reason why it happened it was me being a stupid idiot when i was younger getting fatter and fatter and fatter and not paying attention to it and going oh well my heart's strong i'm strong you know i'll be fine i'll be fine it's okay so i can't fit through doors it's fine so i have to have my clothes made in a chinese aerodrome it's fine it's okay And no one was holding me to account because very few people actually will. And generally, people that do hold people to account are usually removed from that person's life because people cannot take that kind of honesty. Um, And that's why you are the one that has to be the most accountable in your life. I'm lucky I have a wife who's extremely accountable and will hold me to account at a moment's notice and that's a great um backup to have when my when I falter because this is not foolproof none of this is foolproof so I I, I'm a big fan where am I going with this I know I know I can hear you asking for fuck's sake Do we need another tangent? But no, this is not a tangent. This is kind of me semi-wrapping things up. But this is why I have notebooks. I have them everywhere. I can literally touch one, two, three, four, five. There are five notebooks within within an arm's reach. And the reason why is because I tend to write stuff down. Even though I'm heavily involved in IT and technology, I'm not a big fan of typing stuff down. I like to write it down. I like having my own disgusting handwriting on show. Because it's a way of me, when I have these self-doubt moments, is going back in history and looking through and rationalizing what's going on. And I really think it's the most helpful tool, being able to write stuff down honestly. Write it as if, well, depending on how you want to be with it, writing as if no one else on the face of this planet will ever read it. So you can be as honest and as brutal as you possibly can be. And then go back when you feel that way. Have that conversation. We remember when we started this and we said... We were going to change. We were going to hold our feet to the fire. Although, for me, that only on one side would would hurt. The other side would just melt. Boom, boom. But you've got to hold yourself to account and look back and realise where you started, where you are, where you're going to be, where you want to be. How are we going to get there? None of this perceive, believe, bullshit Deal with the now. How are you feeling now? Not so good? Okay. Let's look at where we were. And and even if you were in a better place then, it proves to you, you dumb fuck, that you were once at that place. So there is absolutely no reason why you can't be there again. There's absolutely, because everyone, everyone thinks they're on a downward gradient. No one realizes that it's a spiky profile. There are ups, there are downs. There are peaks, there are troughs. But you have to remember what those peaks and troughs look like, how they feel. Because we have terrible ways of remembering things, which is why you write it down. Because you will have the truest account of how you felt at that time when you wrote it. So when you read it back, you know how you feel. You know how you were. You know how you got there. You can get there again. Or if you're better than you were, then good for you. Well fucking done. We made that progress. How are we going to move on? Because I still have anxiety. I still have problems with um, doing things and, and motivating myself to do it. But... I definitely have a better toolkit to access to get me to that point than whereas before I would just shut it away and then leave it be. Because I'm not, I refuse, at 41 years of age, I refuse to waste any more time on procrastinating and what could have been and should have been and so on and so forth. And I refuse to let you continue on that path because before you know it, You'll be a forty-one-year-old sat in a chair, shouting into the wind, just like me. So let's 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 make that progress together, shall we? And I hope that kind of gives you a bit of a an insight into how I deal with things and how I'm moving forward. And again, I know this has not been this has not been productive. This is the, still the feeling out process. I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around all this um but st- stick with me <laughs> b- I'm begging you please stick with me don't leave me but yes um their end of the lesson thank you so much for sticking around if you did if you didn't then fuck you but until next time my name's jay stay accountable and I'll see you next time